We've been studying the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 24 and Luke 21 on the Great Tribulation, and we've noted that it is a time of God's vengeance and judgment on the nations. Ultimately, God will take the injustice of the nations into account. Welcome everyone to the Ministry of the Bread of Life. I'm Joel Van Hoogen. It's been my privilege to be the Bible teacher at this ministry for over 20 years. This is a program of the International Ministry Church Partnership Evangelism and its Mission Fellowship, The Bread of Life, in Boise, Idaho. You can learn more about our work by going to traincpe.org or breadoflifeboise.org. In Matthew chapter 24, verses 15 through 26, our Lord is speaking of the coming of the Great Tribulation, but He's also borrowing from a nearer event, the destruction of the temple in 70 A.D., and also maybe the banishment of Israel from their land, which took place in 135 A.D., during what was called the Bar Kokhba Revolt. Advice that Jesus gave in his Olivet Discourse helped the Christians at those times, and listening to God's Word can help us, in our day, not fall into deception in these last days. There is, in the midst of this judgment and in the midst of this vengeance, a preservation of God's elect people before the prospect of wrath and vengeance. God brings mercy to his own at this time. Jesus, in this passage, gives warning that's to be heeded by his people. Warning, if they follow it and heed it, that will protect them. He warns them to flee Jerusalem when they see it surrounded. He warns them to guard themselves from false messiahs and don't go out for them when they're calling for us to go out to them or when they're making their plans in the inner rooms. The Lord Jesus told them that there were going to be persecutions that came and there were martyrdoms that were going to come to the disciples leading up to the time of the destruction of the temple. He also implies that this will continue to go on until the final day. And so he's not saying there's not going to be persecution, but he's also promising them that there's going to be an escape for the community as a whole if they'll obey his words. He'll watch over them and they'll keep them in the midst of these distresses and delivers them. So when God is about to destroy the world by a flood, He comes to Noah and he gives instruction to Noah and Noah obeys that instruction and Noah escapes the destruction of the flood. And when God comes to bring destruction on Sodom and Gomorrah, he goes to Lot and he explains to Lot what Lot must do to flee and leave the place of destruction and Lot obeys and flees and he's not destroyed. And in the same way, the Lord Jesus, as he's speaking to his disciples and even prophesying this judgment that's coming in 70 AD, is giving them advice. He's giving them counsel so that they might escape that judgment. Back to a little bit of history for you. In 66 AD, when Gallus first surrounded Jerusalem and then inexplicably retreated when he could have destroyed Jerusalem, there rose up in the church, we're told, prophecies in the church in Jerusalem among the Jews that had gathered there and the Christians that had gathered there that this was a fulfillment of Christ's words that we read of in Luke chapter 21 that it's time for them to leave and flee. And so at that time, after Gallus left, before the armies of the Jews followed them and brought destruction on them, all the Christians were told got out of Jerusalem and left so that when by the time Titus came back and brought this massive destruction on the city of Jerusalem and killed over a million point one people, the account was that no Christian was there and no church was there to suffer at all because they'd listened to the advice that had been given to them. And, and actually, during the Bar Kokhba rebellion, Initially, there were many Christians in the land at that time as well, Christian Jews in the land of Israel at that time, and they initially joined the rebellion. And they joined Simon Bar Kokhba. Actually, his name wasn't Bar Kokhba at that time. He had a different name. And 
at some point in time, he took the name Bar Kokhba, which means son of the star, was a messianic name. I'm the star that's rising up. I'm the one that's going to rescue you. And there was a rabbi that was the most famous rabbi at that time that began to declare that Simon Bar Kokhba was the Messiah. And Bar Kokhba began to call for people to come and join him and meet him because he was going to lead in a messianic reign over the people and he was going to deliver the nation. And now the Christians think, wait a second, we were warned of this. Don't go out to the wilderness where he's calling you. Don't go into the secret places where we devise our plans and our rebellions. And so they departed from Bar Kokhba at that time and Simon Bar Kokhba didn't like that and so he began to immediately persecute the Christians and demand that they denounce and renounce their belief in Jesus as the Messiah in order to be a part of the land. And they were forced to go over to the Romans to seek protection. And as a result, the Christians in the land avoided the great and tremendous... They, pers- they were persecuted, but they avoided the tremendous judgment that God brought upon the Jews in the land at that time. Because they obeyed God's voice and they heard God's warning. And These warnings are expression of the mercy of God in the midst of His wrath and His judgment. They remind us that God watches over his people to protect and preserve them as they obey him. This is not a promise that we're not going to suffer persecution, but it is a promise that he will preserve us when he pours out his wrath on the nations. He saves us from out of destruction. That's the idea we get here. Here's a third thing I want to point out to you. This should remind us that if God keeps his promise to bring judgment and vengeance and wrath, he'll also keep his promise to bring rescue and reward. The prophetic warnings of the abomination of desolation in Daniel 12 also include the promise of God that this great tribulation will end in a complete deliverance of Daniel's people. Daniel chapter 12 verse 1. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. And at that time your people shall be delivered. God has a plan for his elect people. He sets down his vengeance, but he also devises and sets down his plans for deliverance. And we may be confident in both, absolutely confident in both. God has a plan for his elect to care for and watch over them. And this understanding and this confidence in God's word and the promises of judgment, but also the promises of deliverance, led J.C. Ryle, a bishop in England in 1856, to write about a day when... All of the Jews will once again be in Israel. Interestingly enough, at that time, there were, like I said, very few Jews in the land of Palestine. And they had no nation, and they wandered around Europe, and they were being persecuted in every place. And yet, while seeing this thing and writing about this very passage we're talking about in Matthew, in Matthew chapter 24, and discussing the destruction of the temple, points out that these things are merely the first expressions of a fuller projected judgment that God is going to bring at the end of the age. And in light of that, he speaks of another siege that's coming against Jerusalem, and he says this, quote, There is another siege coming against Jerusalem, which, quote, is yet to take place, listen to these words, when Israel is returned to its own land, and the second tribulation on the inhabitants thereof, which shall be stopped by the coming of Jesus Christ, end quote. It was 60 years after that about that Great Britain issued the Balfour Declaration saying that it was the intent of the people of Great Britain to make a homeland for the Jews in Israel again. Some 1,800 years after they'd been pushed out. It was another 30 or so odd years, 31 years after that, 
that Israel became in 1948 a nation, a nation in Israel. And uh, J.C. Ryle, believing in the promises and the word of God to exact his vengeance, but also the word of God promising his deliverance, saw and understood it was to take place. Because we can count on things and can rest on these things. And let me just say, when you read the scriptures and you read what God says God is going to do and how God holds people to account for their sins and how God has provided forgiveness for their sins in Jesus Christ, and then you read for yourself what he's promised for you and the blessing he's promised for you and the deliverance he promised for you and the care he promises for you and the home that he says he's providing for you, take it seriously. Take it as literally true. God keeps his word. In the midst of judgment, he remembers mercy. He remembers his own. He comes to us and he delivers us. We can bank on it. We can bank on it. Here's the fourth thing I want to say about this this morning. I want you to again note that in these hours that the Lord Jesus is prophesying about, rather near, referring to the time of 70 AD, or further on, referring to the time at the end of the age, in the midst of this great upheaval, in the midst of this great trial that's coming upon the people and upon the land, in the midst of this time in which there's great danger, there's also, above all everything else, a danger of great deception. So take note, in hours of great upheaval, there is the great danger of deception. We've been talking about this as we've been addressing this over the last few weeks. The message that the Lord Jesus delivered to them had basically only a few points of application. And the points of application are very important. It's don't be deceived. It's endure. You don't try to look for an easy, quick fix to the problems that you see. Endure. Go through it. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard, but endure. And then it's also, and this gospel will be preached in all the world, and then the end shall come. It's continue your mission. Don't be deceived. Endure. Continue your mission until the end. And you'll know when the end comes because I'll come for you, and you won't miss it. You won't miss it. So keep on with your work. But the danger here is this danger of deception. So we have to be careful, and we have to have our eyes open. We have to be careful that we're not deceived. As I said last week, the trouble with trouble is focusing on the trouble. When you're in times of difficulty and distress and trouble, the, the, the trouble is that you try to solve the trouble. You try to escape this trouble. You try to find a remedy for the trouble, and you get your eyes off of what God is saying is taking place. He said, there's going to be trouble. There's going to be distresses. Endure. Don't be deceived. At a time like that, the one thing that you're supposed to be having signaling in your mind is, I need to be in the Word more than ever before. I need the Spirit of God to be speaking to me and teaching to me. I need to be surrendered to Him so I can read that Word and through His anointing I can understand His instruction and His will for my life. And I need to be obedient to Him and I need to be faithful to Him and I need to keep with the program that He's given us until He comes. Don't be deceived. Endure. Continue on in your work of the Gospel. The end will come when you finish your job the job I've given you to do. Here's a conclusion for us all. The day of the Lord is, in a sense, this protected vision of this one ultimate conclusion which God brings all the nations under judgment when he comes to judge the earth and then bring his deliverance to his people. But the prophets also spoke of days of the Lord that happened throughout history, times in which there was like this window opening up in which they got a glimpse through the suffering and the judgment that God brought upon the land, a picture of what was going to happen in that final day. And so there were all these days of the Lord. And when they speak of these days of the Lord, they add to the imagery this image of this state of chaos and confusion, moral chaos, social chaos, literally physical chaos in the created order. It's all taking place. They speak of times in which as they're nearing these things in which uh, the whole fabric of life seems to be 
twisted up and anomalies are taking place and the, the sun and the stars are darkened and the day turns to night and good turns to wrong. They see a time in which there are great winds that are blowing over the land and lightning and thunder is taking place and earthquake is taking place and there's chaos all around them. It's an image like this historically. It's almost like the prophets are seeing that the nations are about ready to dip into a vortex of God's judgment and as they're nearing that vortex of God's judgment, everything starts to rattle and become confused and the minds of the people are becoming confused. That's the way they prophesy it. It's as if they're reaching a point at which crazy breaks out. The day of the Lord coming upon us and the prophets speak about these things again as they approach that final great day of the Lord. This is what happens when judgment falls on the land and God reveals what is before us. But this is just like the reports the prophets gave us when they gave us visions of the day of the Lord. And as we've said, we know that things begin to jump when the pot begins to boil. So I have a question for you. Are things going crazy now? Are we in into a little bit of crazy? What should it tell us? It should tell us this. Here's my conclusion. God has a plan. God executes his vengeance. God protects his people. He does not abandon his people. He protects his people. Even when evil is intensifying, God is ready to wrap up the world in his judgments and he's ready to wrap up his people in his mercy and his grace. That's what it should tell us. That's what it should tell us. What's the takeaway of all these things? Don't go crazy with the crazy. Don't lose your head over these things. Endure. Endure. This has been the Bread of Life, a ministry of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bread of Life Church in Boise, Idaho. To learn more, go to traincpe.org or breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, may God bless you.